you must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. Face, Horace. I'm just having a little girl trouble. Pressing charges? I get that a lot. Holden McNeil was set in his ways. The way he worked. The way he lived. And the way he thought love should be. But then, she showed up. Let me guess. You like her. This girl loves me. There's something you should know. She got a boyfriend. Well, no. Then what's to know, my friend? And this girl's got a secret that's going to drive him crazy. I like you, Holden. I'd really like us to be friends. What I tell you, she just needs the right guy. What's up? If you come pick me up, I'll be your best friend. Now, the only thing standing in Holden's way is the truth. I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. Not in a friendly way. How was your pseudo date? Okay, I'm telling you, she's never even been with a guy. You're dating a guy? So what if it is true? You know you have no shot at getting her into bed. I take it that's not good. Miramax Films presents a comedy that tells it like it feels. She's been around and seen things we've only read about in books. So what'd you do last night? Got lucky. Chasing Amy. Okay. <laughs> I have never seen that trailer before. No? Yes. So I, the Miramax guy voice is... <laughs> really over the top in that one. So uh, welcome back to Girls, Cuts, and Giallo. This is Annie Rose Malamet. And I'm here today with my coworker and friend, Michael Carroll. Hello. Hi, Michael. And we're talking about, we're giving you the episode today that nobody asked for. Uh, we're, we're talking about chasing Amy, of can, course. Can can I set an intention on this episode? Yes. Let's Let's have a catharsis. Yes. Okay. Let's, let, let's this like, is a catharsis. process this. Yeah, we're processing our trauma <laughs> yeah, around this movie. Uh, and yeah, why did we pick this movie, Michael? Why? When did you first see it? I saw it um, opening weekend um, That's with my dad. Okay. <laughs> uh, late 96, um, I saw the film Clerks. Uh, blew my mind. To this day, a movie that reverberates with me, uh, means a lot to me, um, and just totally smitten uh, with with um, film um, for all sorts of reasons. That I, It's a whole other processing thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then like literally months later, it's like, oh, he's got another movie coming out. And so my friends and I got on our bikes. We went to go um, see it. They wouldn't let us in. I called my mom. I said, you have to come watch this movie with me. She said, I'm cleaning the fridge. I'll send your dad. My dad fucking hated it. Anyway. So this is actually so perfect. I didn't even know that the, the first time you saw it was with your dad because the mm -hmm. first time I saw this movie was with my dad. So uh, We're cool people. Yeah, he rented it from mm -hmm. Netflix. Oh, the D when it was DVDs mm -hmm. and um, God knows why. Mm -hmm. And I watched. He was into Jason Lee. Yeah. <laughs> he and he, I think he was like I think Netflix was like recommending him things, <sighs> and he knew I loved like indie. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, stuff. So he was like, "Oh, watch this movie with me." So I learned about fisting with my dad. <laughs> yeah. So what time of the day were you watching this? Nighttime. Nighttime. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I used I'm to just... watch a lot of movies with my dad at night. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it was uh you know, he didn't help me process any of that. Yeah. I don't even think he 
knew how to process yeah. it. Yeah. I at least had my friends with me. We were in a public space. Right. No, you know, I was like, like in my den mm-hmm. with my father yeah. watching Chasing Amy. Probably more comfortable for your father than mine, <laughs> you know, but like for for us, I think I got the better deal there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I mean, it made a really big impression on me. Mm-hmm. Um I think at the time I saw it, I think I was, I want to say, like, 12 or 13. Okay. And at the time, I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, later watching it as an adult, I was horrified by it. Mm -hmm. And now I find it to be a really interesting historical artifact. Yeah. So so, um, we were texting, and I I mentioned this, but... This is sort of this is the third time in about as many years as I have gone back to this film. I started it um, two years ago, just late at night, and I couldn't get five minutes into it. And, it, and when we go through it, I'll, I'll I'll tell you exactly where I just was like, I can't fucking watch this. And then um, for another project, um, I, I watched it again last year for a little bit, and uh, I was like, this is the worst kind of bad movie because it's like. You know, there's all sorts of bad movies, but there's like the bad movie that like reminds you of something vulnerable within yourself. Like, That's because yeah. this, this movie meant so much to me then and was so important to me then. And I thought it was so smart then. And now I'm like, man, I was stupid when I was 15. <laughs> But, you know, maybe it was smart then. So that's what this third, that's what this third, I I was like trying to be as generous to both the film and myself at that time as I could be. So, yeah, I'm I'm still unpacking. But anyway, I like you said, this is going to be a very cathartic episode. Yeah. And we decided I originally when we talked about doing the show together, I wanted to have you on to do Clerks. Oh, okay. Um. And the reason I wanted to have you on to do Clerks is because we were at a staff holiday party Mm -hmm. and I had an interaction where I was just bored, like Mm -hmm. bored with whatever people were talking about. So I was like, I said, I said to them that I'm, I'm going to go hang out with the film bros. Yeah. So I wandered over you and the other film bros Mm -hmm. were eating like someone, some other parties food and talking about I didn't clerks, remember, but that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and you guys were talking about clerks, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I am home." Yeah, I against everything in me, I am. I will always be like a kind of a film bro, yeah. and that's. I think that's like the um, the the rub for so many women who get into film is like we get into it through these kind of heralded male indie auteurs yeah, yeah, and yeah. at the time when clerks came out that was a big deal and mm-hmm. uh, i mean we can talk about kevin smith in more detail like he had his time in his place and he doesn't really need that time and place and he doesn't need that space anymore but at the time there was something there yeah for sure and clerks really got me into like uh, slacker and like all of that kind of like suburban mundane you know absurdist realist yeah I mean the 90s I mean the 90s so much of the 90s was like um, fast-paced storytelling and and like it was a very west coast decade I've heard some people describe it as Mm. and um you know, there was something uh, so that felt so um, uh, subversive or you just felt like seeing where it was just like people like a, a couple of shitty people like on the East Coast who are like bored or, you know, yeah, there's just there's ennui. Um, and um, I think that's how most people experienced a lot of the 90s. Uh, and yet um so much of the media did not reflect that. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And this is another reason that it's good to have you on this episode because I kind of just missed all that. Like, I'm. I'm fucking old. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was born in ni- 1990. Mm-hmm. So I was not 
like a sentient human being sure. when this was going on. I can only see it as, as in nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And you actually experienced that. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I wasn't there. You know, that was one of the, it, it was so funny because I remember like seeing Clerks. Yeah, it had come out like two years before it was made maybe three years before. And I remember being like, oh, I missed the boat. If I could only have seen this in the theater, you know, <laughs> but that was so long ago, two years, you know? Yeah. yeah now. And, and I, meanwhile, I was watching it on the IFC channel yeah. in 2002, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, I, I think I, by that point, Dogma had come out and I'd kind of just been like, okay, whatever this guy's kind of, Oh old. my God. I thought Dogma was so deep when I saw it. That was my breaking point that, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, you by, were older by, than that, by that point I was like 18 and I was yeah. like, uh, I know I was I like th- 12. I was expecting a little bit more guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that. Um, and you know, just to really drive home how old you are, yeah. <laughs> so how Gen X you are, you are wearing a flannel shirt today. So it, you know, everything is really lining up. And then, you know, I decided that we should do Chasing Amy because mm-hmm. I feel like if anybody is going to talk about this movie, mm-hmm. it should be a dyke mm-hmm. and a straight man. Here we are. And here we are. <laughs> and this is going to be a really deep processing session. I think it's going to be really good. I think a lot of people are going to cringe when they see this come up in their, in their yeah. feed, but I think we, I think we have the chops to talk about it. Let's dive in. Yeah, so let's talk about it. So Chasing Amy, 1997, written and directed by Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. starring Ben Affleck with the worst facial hair ever, uh, uh, Joey Lauren Adams, <laughs> And Jason Lee, mm-hmm. Terrible Bangs, and <laughs> Dwight Yule. Delightful. Yes, who isn't listed as starring in the film, but I would argue that he does. Easily. Yeah. So this film, it was, like you were saying, it's made during Kevin Smith's heyday. Uh, he came to prominence through Clerks, which was 1994. Yeah, uh, $27,000 budget. For Clerks. For Clerks. You know, like he, it was just a... Uh, um, uh, rags to riches story it was like the the dream that we all had at the time right you know, like black could, and white just yeah just put it all on the line to make one feature that's like your statement and like then you know next step profit and then he had made a bigger budget film with mall rats and then that had tanked and then um uh this was his 200 i think it was like 250,000 so 10 times the budget of clerks but still not like seven figures you know this, you know, to make this his return to smaller personal films. Uh, oh, okay. Air quotes on everything. Here, yeah, but, right. Because, yeah. I mean, listen to that Miramax trailer. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. more of a big budget but fear. Real, I, 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 real quick, my favorite part about that trailer um, is, um, and I knew that because when I was, this is how I used to use the internet. I used to like download trailers from the Miramax website and just watch them over and over Amazing. again. Amazing. I did very yeah, similar things. Like the Windows 95. Yeah. And um, even then, um, you know, there's the scene where um, it's like Ben Affleck's like, what'd you do last night? And they're playing Steve on. She goes, I got lucky. And that's clearly like either not her voice it's or it's 80 like, yards later. Like she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I think she said got laid. Yeah, you know, it's just like. Can't say that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. it, it's it's an absurd trailer. I'm going to try and stay focused. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, we're, we got a lot of time. Okay, great. And this Clerks, like I said, was when I saw it, it was one of my favorite mm. movies. Um and probably because it reminded me of like the dirt bags I dated in high yeah. school. Like I really saw. I didn't see. It's an interesting thing about ever being a woman watching anything. I didn't see myself in the movie, okay. but I saw people I was familiar with. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm from the tri-state suburbs. You know, like it just felt very relatable to me. Um, so Smith was inspired by Richard Linklater, mm-hmm. the film Slacker, which I mentioned, also another one of my favorites. I hope to do an episode on it one day. Delightful film. And I wanted to hear a little bit about more about your relationship to Kevin Smith's films. Well, yeah. So so I think I kind of laid out like what everything was like leading up. I think I first he first got on my radar because I was reading a, a shit ton of Marvel comics in the 90s. Um, and, uh, I saw an, uh, advertisement in one of the comics for a movie called Mallrats, and it prominently featured that Stan Lee was going to have a cameo. 
And at that time, um, this really dates me. I was like, a movie with Stan Lee in a cameo? That's outrageous. <laughs> and then, wow. And then I, I was holding a, like a fucking monkey's paw, and I was like, God, I wish there were more yeah. films like this. Oh, my God, it's your fault. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, yeah, and then, you know, I was like hanging out with, you know, I had some friend who was like, hey, my dad rented this rated R movie, and, and it was Clerics, and then you know and then i saw rated r movie yeah and then i saw mall rats and then i saw and then chasing amy and then yeah and then it felt like i spent like a a long time waiting pining for um uh dogma to come out uh because i read the script online and i thought it was like you know this is going to really like require him to really come into his own as a visionary director and but he's got it he's got it in him and then i saw i was like and, 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 and it was really difficult because I brought all my friends and they knew that he meant a lot to me. And they were like, I thought it was pretty good. And I was like, guys, that movie was bullshit. Like, that was stupid. And you're stupid for like, I, this is probably literally how I was talking at the time. Um, and then, uh, and then really for me, the nineties, like, like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back really is like December 31st, 1999 for me. Like mm. that was sort of like, um putting to bed a lot of uh, it's a film that I you know I remember seeing and thinking boy that's really good um and then also going I think that night that I tried to watch Chasing Amy for the first time I turned it off and then I put on Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and I was like this is good except there's like way too many gay jokes so yeah asterisk on that for later (laughs) Putting a pin in it, and yeah. then and then basically, yeah, and then like uh, you know, uh, I I went to college um, like uh, two weeks after Jane and Silent Bob came, went came out, and nine eleven happened, changed like everything in the world, and then like I just didn't give a shit about you know he made Jersey Girl, which I've still to this day never seen. You it's kind of like, cute, is it? Yeah, but it's <sighs> it's very like it's a rom com. I. I Okay, I'm very interested, mostly because I'm very interested in, like, sensitive Ben Affleck. I'm just, like, putting Chekhov's gun on the shelf. (laughs) Can you please program a film series of sensitive Ben Affleck? (laughs) (laughs) He recently, like, tweeted about this film because somebody, oh, God, I forget their name. Somebody, I will link it Mm -hmm. for sure for people, but someone did a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. A queer person did a Mm -hmm. TED Talk on what Chasing Amy means to them, and Ben Affleck retweeted it. Um, so it's on his radar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film was inspired by the Guinevere Turner movie. She actually makes a cameo in this movie mm-hmm. as well. It's in, in her seminal lesbian classic, Go Fish. Mm-hmm. And have you seen Go Fish? Do you like I Go have, Fish? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's a 90s lesbian movie. You know, yeah. like I have a certain, you know, place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Smith's relationship with Joey Lauren Adams. Yes. Who I don't know what her personal life is, but I'm going to assume is some kind of some shade of queer mm-hmm. um, if this movie is reflecting any of their relationship. I mean, I never got that impression. I thought that it was just like um, he was sort of mixing. Uh, oh, okay. she, she, she was Mixed. he was he yeah. was dating her at the time. This is all like I used to like absorb all these interviews um, and and like really like created like a mythos of all these films in my head. And now I'm trying to like remember them all. And it was half my life ago. But yeah, I think that um, he was dating her and she was like a muse for him. But then I also see. there, but then mixed with that was he had this friendship, you know, with, with Guinevere Turner. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. So but who knows? Right. This is the third film in Kevin Smith's View Askewniverse series, which is the dumbest name. Uh, it's a fictional universe where Jay, the Jay and Silent Bob characters appear in almost all the films. Yeah. And the same actors are present in many of the films and play the same characters. Yeah, and sometimes you have, like, the same actor playing different characters. Yeah. Is that, yeah, I, I One I, of the funner parts of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is okay. that like, they like know this and they're playing with that. Okay. But then there's actually more instances of that, even in Chasing Amy, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there. So the film received uh, pretty positive reviews at the time uh, with Roger Ebert and Quentin Tarantino saying that it was his best work so far. Yeah, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Right. Yeah. Uh, but. The film is very controversial, especially among queer women. 
and many feel that it is an insulting portrayal of queerness laden in misogynistic tropes. What? What? <laughs> Record scratch. <laughs> yeah, right. So I felt like it was uh, important to talk about this film because it's extremely culturally loaded. So let's talk about the plot. Okay. Um, we open with this montage of comic book images of Jay, the Jay and Silent Bob characters. Blunt Man and Chronic. Yeah. Blunt Man and Chronic as yeah. these superheroes. And also these newspaper clip- clippings about the comic book artists. Yeah. Holden McNeil and Banky Edwards. And it's interesting because what they're, they're actually sort of, they're, they're putting in stuff from Comic Shop News, which was a, a free weekly that you would get in mm. like comic book stores at the time. Um, and uh, it's sort of showing their rise to prominence. Um, and, and then, like, they're on the cover of Wizard Magazine, which was, like, which uh, in 1997 would have been, like, a, a pretty big deal. It's sort of, it, if you don't, if you didn't know what was going on in comics at the time, it's, it, they're, they're kind of showing, like, the, a, a certain rise in popularity. Um, but also, I remember at the time thinking, like, Wizard did like almost exclusively, as I recall, like Marvel and DC stuff. And like, they never would have put like anything like that on their, you know, cover. Right. But there's a, there's a weird fantasy element about like what the indie comic book scene there's was ver- like at the time. There's an in, there's a subcultural in joke, whatever yeah. here, right. Yeah. That I, that goes over my head yeah. because I don't know anything about comics. So I, I, I actually think if, if, if I, just to get this out of the way, I think that there's he's he's really using so much of this film is is well this film is him and him like kind of talking to himself and reflecting to himself and thinking about himself and uh, using other people to mirror himself in some way. But um, I think that he's using the comic book industry in a lot of ways to like reflect his own like career in mm. in film at the time. So, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of immediately placed into this world of like buddy comedies. We get the two the two main characters, right? Jason Lee, Ben mm-hmm. Affleck, and male nerdery, mm-hmm. right? Like that's immediately with that opening sequence. And now we're in 90s New York City. Yeah. At the third annual Comic Con. Yeah. Only three so <laughs> far. It's amazing. <laughs> And we get like a nice overview of a '90s Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy who it's there's a guy who has a T-shirt that says Marvel sucks, and then <laughs> and then and then like uh, and then they cut to one of the Mike Allred, the artist is is there, and it's funny because he's clearly the artist who did all the work for Blunt Man and Chronic. So if you knew what was going on, it was kind of an Easter egg, but also it's like fucking confusing because like how are what you know. Anyway, right? Yeah, I get it's, it. it's maybe part of the fun, but I, he doesn't seem to. He never has fun with it. Mm, um, interesting. Anyway. Yeah. So we we meet Holden and Banky. Um, Holden, awful names, ha- terrible names. <laughs> Hol- <laughs> yeah. Holden, uh, Ben Affleck, Banky, Jason Lee. They mm-hmm. both look terrible. <laughs> they yeah. are they're the creators of the comic Blunt Man and Chronic and they're being harassed by some nerds at their Comic Con booth. Yeah, it's his opening line. Um Oh yeah, Michael has the script. Yeah. You know? Um his opening line, uh, Ben Affleck's opening line some fan is like gushing over how he thinks of them, how he thinks of these characters like they're like Cheech and Chong and Holden says I like to think of them as Rosencrantz and Guildenstern meets Vladimir and Estragon. And my note here is fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> that I thought the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, whatever, dude. This is how you're choosing to introduce this character. And this is how he's going to endear me, the audience, to you. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. yeah. So... But, oh, and, then, and, then, and then another, and then the next, and then introducing Jason Lee. So watching this the two years ago, like uh, I just was, I saw Weinstein's name show up mm-hmm. on screen. That's a good point. And, and then like, uh, and then like here we are five minutes into the movie and um, there's Jason Lee's characters introduced where like so he's getting harassed by a fan and then um, he like um, is nudging the guy behind him in line. The guy behind him in line is um, Casey Affleck, 
Yes. Also alleged rapist. And that's yes. when I was like, I can't fucking watch this movie. Yeah, it's just everything. I mean, looking back on this era, it's like, wow, there's just. These are all nice guys. Predators everywhere. These are all just like nice, cool guys. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And I definitely talk about the nice guy trope in my notes. So we'll we'll get there. Um, so Holden, it, he draws the comics mm-hmm. and Banky inks the comics. Yeah. So there's immediately this tension. Yeah. Right. And we we see how insecure Banky is about being an inker. Um, this is going to be a theme for their entire dynamic. Um, Banky attacks and chokes a man who was mocking him for mm-hmm. being an inker. So yeah. he's got a temper also. And now we move to this bizarre scene of the minority comics panel discussion and we meet Dwight Yule who Mm -hmm. plays the character Hooper X which is a play on Malcolm X and he is a black comic book artist who is speaking at the convention in a garb that would be recognizable as a traditional Black Panther outfit. Yeah. And he, uh, Black Panther, not the Marvel superhero. Black no, Panther. Like as the, in the, yeah. the Black Radicals. Mm-hmm. And he's standing at a podium discussing his comic and discussing the traditionally racist nature of superhero comics, which is actually like pretty spot on, everything yeah. that he's saying. And... But he's he's almost kind of like a parody of a black power activist, and he's using radical language in a parodic. Yeah, manner. he's very stoic and sort of like lecturing to like a, a like a white audience, uh, you know. But like about Star Wars, you know. Right. Like, yeah, it's very much like a black activist written by a white man right so it's very cringe and holden interrupts him from the audience and starts antagonizing him heckling heckling yeah yeah. and talking about lando calrissian from star wars i'm sorry i don't know shit about star wars i know who that is though Uh, yeah and and hooper congratulations (laughs) (laughs) you win i know i know i I, that's like it's like my superpower is like not getting mad about any star wars shit on twitter Cool. I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Hooper starts to discuss why Star Wars is racist, saying that because Darth Vader is an old white man under his helmet, that the movie is saying that black people want to be white. And Banky stands up and says, well, isn't that true? And Hooper p- pulls out a gun out of his jacket and shoots Banky, screaming black rage. Okay. Rewind just a yeah. second. Um, did you think when you were 12 and you first saw this that Hooper was saying some interesting shit? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I was like, he has a point. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, really interesting, like regurgitating, like, you know, like, um, clearly Malcolm X had come out like what, uh, 1993, uh, 1992, 1993. Around there. And, and, um, and Kevin it was in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And, and exactly. And Kevin Smith, you know, was like absorbing this. And he, Kevin Smith loves Spike Lee. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you see him coming from a good place. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, like he's uh, like a, yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's uh, I don't even like I don't even know he thinks he's coming from a good place, yeah. I think is more what it is. He's, he's yeah. Yeah. He, he's not listening, but he's talking and yes. he's, yeah. He thinks he's yeah. Yeah. I think he thinks I, the character of Hooper is very interesting and probably him and Alyssa are the most interesting characters in the movie, sure. obviously, yeah. right? And uh, what if I disagreed? <laughs> actually, really like Banky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so his name is Banky. <laughs> there's some interesting things going on with his character. Like mm. there are some things that Kevin Smith maybe gets accidentally sort of correct, mm-hmm. and then other things where it's like Kevin Smith, shut the fuck up. Yeah. So it's. This scene is particularly interesting. I mean, the whole he so he shoots yeah. Banky in the leg and, you know, screaming black rage and mm-hmm. Holden doesn't budge. The audience flees in terror. 
and Hooper approaches Banky, and this is when we learn that this entire incident is like a bit that they do at conventions. Yeah, Yeah, the gun was a blank. Right, and we see that Hooper is a flamboyant gay man Mm -hmm. who says that he does this bit because it goes with the image of his comic and it makes it easier to sell. So it's implied that it he has to be this image of perfect radical black masculinity. Yeah. There's no space for nuance for him. He can't also be gay. Yeah. And 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 sort of one of my notes here on that is is like um what is the fantasy market that Kevin Smith thinks exists that like a comic book artist can have something like this happen in a convention and 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 it boosts the sales of his small print First of all, the comic book with like would a be slur. there immediately. Yeah, well, yeah. They, I think they say that like his publisher, um, like uh, like pays for like the something. Okay, like. that's but a, it's it's, sure, it's, a, it's a fantasy. It's yeah. a weird. It's a weird. Yeah. But it's also like yeah, because th- this is the second time. You know, like in the scene before, you know, uh, um, Banky gets into a fight with the guy over the inking stuff, and then the police pulled him away and like there's just a weird like sense of like where you know cops are and this stuff and it's all for comedic effect and not for verisimilitude i guess yes. you know i yeah. mean giving yeah. him the benefit of the doubt but like you know it, it just i don't know the movie feels too grounded you know it's not like leslie nielsen comedy or something like that right it's like decide what you want to be like, yeah, there's you, there's tone shifts. Right? You're are like, you an absurdist comedy or are you like a you know? Yeah, like a, in Mallrats, that would have worked. You know, uh, maybe. You yeah. know, but in something like this, it just uh, you know he's kind of having his cake and eating it too. I think. Yeah, and I mean the character of Hooper is interesting also because there Kevin Smith does have an understanding that black men are not allowed to have nuance mm-hmm. in their public personas, so he does. He sees that, yeah, but then doesn't really go anywhere with it. Yeah, like he just kind of presents it. Yeah. Um. So Hooper uh, teases Banky, kissing him on the face, and this is when we first see that Banky is homophobic. And although he's he's, but he's probably the kind of person who wouldn't think that because yeah. he hangs out with people like Hooper. So he he probably thinks he's not homophobic. Yeah. And we meet Alyssa, uh, who says to Hooper, why do you sound like Louis Farrakhan on stage, but the king of pop when you're off stage? They have a report. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I was like the king of pop. Yeah. And, and Hooper and Alyssa are friends. And Banky says he knows who Alyssa is and accuses her her comic idiosyncratic routine of being chick stuff. So he's homophobic and sexist. Yeah. Right, because Alyssa, oh, nerfing. <laughs> because Alyssa writes this comic that, in my understanding, is more of like a human interest. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there. I mean, like Love and Rockets. Um, yes, the, yeah, exactly. There, there, there was there was no shortage of stuff like there. There Which was a I market. Do love. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a market for stuff like that back then. That was. Very like a lot of like really great autobiographical stuff, um, but also yeah, like um, uh, what was her name, Julie Doucette, you know. Um, there were there were a lot of, and to this day, there are still I think a lot of great like um, yeah. And the '90s had a rich zine culture zine among culture, yeah. feminists and women and queer people, and I think that it's kind of it's a nod to that yeah. in a way, which is again interesting on his part like he got some things right yeah when you know i i kind of like i remember like seeing the cover to that i think is shown in the movie at one point but anyway through all the promotional art and everything i you know you i would see this and i would think oh yeah so that would be a it would be printed on cheap newsprint it would be black and white like the only color would be on the cover um you know it'd probably be like a buck more expensive than liking a Marvel comic, but that's because it's for like a boutique audience, you right? Know? Like th- that that did feel um, that did feel right, right, and, and and interesting. And like like if you were into comics at the time, like you know they're showing you something that like in a movie you never got to see, right? Well, that's another big aspect of this movie is like bringing a subculture to a larger yeah. audience because there's so much in comic in knowledge in this film. Yeah. 
So Holden is obviously taken with Alyssa and Alyssa and Hooper are joking about always being on minority panels together and they make. Hold- oh, because she's a girl. Right. And he's a black man. Yes. Okay. That's, yes. that's what they mean by minority panels. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. A white woman. Yeah. And, and maybe a black man. Yeah. 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 It, it's weird. Like if you. Did you go into the film knowing like at least the broad strokes of the plot? When I first saw it when I was yeah. a kid, no. No. Okay. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like I said, I came in knowing that, you know, she's obviously gay and I didn't like, know anything. Yeah. So, so yeah. like, yeah, uh, it was, that was a little confusing. I remember when, when I first saw it, cause I was like, oh, I guess they're not saying that she's gay, but I, I knew going in anyway. Well, the other interesting thing is there's a lot of hints if you're gay that she's gay. Oh yeah. But we'll talk about okay, that. Okay. Well, one of them is her comic. I mean, idiosyncratic like, routine, yeah, and they're yeah. like holding hands. And yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it's you know that nod to '90s zine culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> they make Holden and Banky like kind of uncomfortable talking about this. They're really calling attention to their their straight white maleness and how their books sell way more than theirs, even yeah. though theirs are probably smarter and mm-hmm. better. But theirs have Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> Yeah. So as superheroes. But this is another very self-aware kind of moment yeah. of Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. which I mean there's a lot of those. It's like he's very self-aware but doesn't take the next step into that. It's like he he also sort of like I think knew he was a shitty filmmaker and that but then also he was like getting, you know, his stuff, you know, I I I was thinking today about how this movie probably cost um as much, if not more, to advertise than it did to produce, you know, because, I mean, again, you know, like they, there were advertisements for this movie in comic books as well. And, you know, like that uh, was put into like a small Massachusetts suburban theater on its opening weekend. So, you know, I just assumed that they did that because Disney owned Miramax and like, you know, it was, you know, like there, there was a push for films like this. There's there is a history of Weinstein having pushed certain filmmakers over others. And Kevin Smith was demonstrably one of the ones that he really pushed at, at, at times. And, um, you know, um, I think that uh, Smith must have been aware of that. And that like, um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. And he was involved in the scenes and he right. knew that like, well, I'm kind of shitty, but you know. Okay, yeah, so he's one of those. Yeah, yeah. He, know, he knows he's bad, but, like, he's not... I'm a dirtbag, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, right? he's going to make this movie, which shows everybody <laughs> yeah. how great he is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And how he sees everybody. Right, yeah. yes. So, Hooper and Alyssa ask the men to drinks with them, and Banky doesn't want to, but Holden is eager, and we learn that the men live in New Jersey, which mm-hmm. is kind of a big part of their thing right they're not their identity right they're not from the city uh and they all go to a bar and hooper pisses off banky by insisting that archie and jughead were lovers this is hilarious yeah the (laughs) like it's it's so funny the way that he is obviously intentionally pissing banky off yeah he's got a short fuse yeah yeah yeah. i I don't understand why these guys are all friends with each other (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the other thing is like i don't think hooper and Alyssa would be hanging out with banky and holden but at the same time like maybe because they're in this they're at this comic con together Mm -hmm. like it's you know, it's possible that they might go get a drink or whatever, yeah. but they would never tolerate the. I don't think they would tolerate the homophobic vitriol. Yeah. Again, it's Jason a weird Lee. fantasy that yeah. like it's like the fantasy, you know, queer friends, the my the fantasy like person of color friends, you know, it's, right. it's the fantasy right. like platonic female friends. I don't think Kevin Smith, you know, maybe he was coming into that stage in his life, but it certainly didn't. Well, he was friends with Guinevere Turner. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, this is why we in the queer community, like, tend to keep our, our secrets secret. Because yeah. we don't trust people to interpret it the way that it really is and this is maybe one of these examples <laughs> yeah yes. started so. really strong in april of 1997 for some <laughs> um it, interesting um to think of a time when you can think of archie and archie comics and and like it being shocking that there's like 
queer subtext. Yeah, like obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to at the time, you know, you know, Banky is so upset that Hooper says this. So they and he insists that they go buy a bunch of Archie comics so that he can prove to them that Archie loved pussy. Yeah. And they leave Holden and Alyssa alone. And Holden tells Alyssa that Banky has always been an asshole. So there's a lot of like foreshadowing. They're, they're getting to know each other. Right. They also, if I can, they do something that I think kind of like comes up that, that kind of when I think of this movie now, it kind of endears me to it. They just go play darts. And there's like the, the whole scene is just like one long shot with like a couple of like cutaway, just brief cutaways. But a lot of it, a lot of this movie that I think is interesting is just like. Sp- and a lot of what made Clerks interesting is just, like, static shots of people just, like, doing stuff, keeping time. Right, right. Yeah, that's it, very indicative of his style. Like To the degree that there is style to speak of, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. You're right. Like, just yeah. doing shit. Yeah, keeping yeah. Keeping time. Passing the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Alyssa and Holden, are they're playing darts, and Alyssa mocks Holden for feeling like a sellout because he's making big money. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wah, wah, you're, you feel like a sellout, but you're making all of this money. And she talks about how she doesn't sell nearly as many comics as men do. So this kind of immediately sets up a power dynamic between them. Um, this is when I started to see, and it could be perhaps that I'm looking at this you know, in hindsight, but there's a lot of hints that Alyssa is uh, queer. I mean, like her entire embodiment, like her swagger, the way that she just doesn't really give a fuck mm-hmm. is very queer. Yeah. <laughs> like she has no interest in performing any kind of persona mm-hmm. for Holden. And I think that that's also part of why he's taken with her. Yeah. Um, and just all like also her dress. I mean, I know everybody was dressing like that in the nineties, but <laughs> what, I'm trying to. What was what did she look like in this scene? She's got just like a t-shirt, mm-hmm. like a band t-shirt. And yeah, jeans. yeah, yeah, like white shirt with like blue, like uh, a collar yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah blue sleeve, like a, a thing, yeah. Some, she's yeah. just very kind of very like 90s, very nineties yeah. dreamboat girl. Yeah. Um, and Alyssa leaves. And Holden stares longingly at her, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a crush. And Hooper and Banky return, and Banky is still on a tirade. I hate him. Mm-hmm. And Hooper accuses Holden of liking Alyssa. And now we're back in Red Bank, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And Holden and Banky are working on two desks across from each other. They're obviously extremely enmeshed and codependent. They're mm-hmm. basically a couple. And it, the, the screenplay, if I can, just, yes, just uh, um, that they, if you look at this screenplay, there is, it's, almost all just dialogue, 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 because there's not actually a lot of, like, actual action yeah, in this film. Yeah, not a lot of happens. It, yeah, it's, it's just it's... people sharing space, banter, air quotes, banter, back and forth. But um, uh, when they go to Interior Studio Day, it's like we're in, Hol- if, if, we're in ahead, Holden and, Stu- and Banky's studio apartment. It's a rented loft-style place with high ceilings, wood floors, and sparse furnishings. Posters on the wall, a sort of kitchenette, a hockey net, a big TV with all the trimmings, VCR, laser disc player, <laughs> Sega, SNES, a huge comfy couch and two. It's just like, like, this is his fetish here. Yeah. It's just like suburban, just yeah. like, just like stuff. It's a fantasy. Yeah. yeah it's his, it's a fantasy it, it looked space. Like, it looked like it was like designed for like the real world or something it like does. that. You yeah. Know? And I have to say when I first saw it when I was a kid, I thought it was very cool. Yeah. It does look cool. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's, there's like a door that's a sex room. I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah which but, is like yeah. the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're basically a couple. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Hooper calls Holden. This is another thing that I don't think would happen. Hooper mm. calls Holden and invites him to a bar called Meow Mix, which is obviously a fucking dyke bar. Like, yeah. the name is Meow Mix. Yeah. And that night, and that Alyssa will be there. Yeah, and here's where things get a little confusing for me because, you know, it sounds like he's, like, explicitly, like, setting them up. That's weird. Yeah, this is where, like, it's... I, I wonder for, the, for, for um, Dwight Yule, the actor how he um, had to kind of like navigate this because, you know, it just because, well, we'll get back to, and then there'll be a setup later on where just like you just, the motivation just quickly just like feels like it 
switches. His character is super uneven. Yeah. Like they Kevin Smith doesn't know what he wants to do with that character. Like no. he, he his he changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um so Banky wants to come but Holden doesn't want him to cramp his style. Mm-hmm. Banky is pissed off. Holden says him and Alyssa had a moment and that she loves him. Uh he's just like uh kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like he's just assuming so much about her. That night at Meow Mix, Banky and Holden go together after all, and Alyssa looks very hot. Does Meow Mix seem like a cool place to you? <laughs> um, yeah, only because like lesbian bars are disappearing and mm-hmm. have been for a long time. So oh, that's I, interesting. I would love to go to one. Did you? <laughs> there's only one in New yeah. York. There's no. There's not one. In, there's like three in New York. Is, is I remember Gingers and Park Slope. Yes. Is that still around? Yeah, Gingers is still okay. around. I remember one time. Like this movie, like me, like we had one lesbian friend and three straight dudes, and like she Story was like, my life she was like, "You're school. coming with me to the to the to the lesbian bar," and we we're like, "Okay, Gingers is cool." Yeah, and and like and like I just remember the bouncer being like, "Are you guys aware of what kind of bar this is?" That's so good. And we were like, "Yeah." We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're with her, you know. <laughs> and then we end up like like there's a baseball game on, and we we just we watched it. Well, this is I mean it's kind of like. You know, I, I talk, this is a film podcast, but I also mm. talk about, like, personal stuff. Yeah. And this is kind of what's partly interesting t- to me about the film and why maybe I sort of buy the friendship a little bit is because growing up, like, I, you know, I had, like, my queer friends. Yeah. And I also had a pretty like a solid relationship with some straight dudes. And you're, this is, like, high school you're talking about? Yeah, high school, but also just, like, Throughout my life. Anyway, so now we're at Meow Mix, which I we've established I would have gone to. Yeah. And, if... <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a Chibumato poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. So 90s. People are smoking inside. Yeah. Take me there. I mm-hmm. want to smoke inside again. <laughs> um, and then, well, okay. I, I'm, I'm interested in the, in the, uh, the singing. Yes, we're going to get okay, there. Okay. Yeah, okay. we're we're getting there right yes. now. Sorry. So <laughs> That's a very good scene. Yeah. So Holden approaches Alyssa and they begin their typical flirtatious banter. Right. Holden is excited cuz they're both from New Jersey. They start bonding over I did I this is why I, I wanted to bet uh, Go slowly my, my, into the yeah. Exactly. Into thank the you, singing, thank you. Right? My, they, my note is that I'm from Massachusetts and I actively avoid other people from Massachusetts. <laughs> so so it's weird to me. <laughs> Your 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 tri-state. If you yes. if you meet people who are from your general neck of the woods, do you feel more interested in them, more inclined to hang out with them? Not really. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> this is just square peg, round hole. How do we yeah. get these shitty characters into this cool true, place? True. Anyway, yeah. True. Yeah. That's a good point. So they're bonding over like knowing all of these same places, right? And yeah. Alyssa... There's plenty of mall rats and clerks references. Exactly. Like Alyssa mentions her, that her friend fucked a dead guy in the bathroom at Quick Stop, and that's a reference to clerks. Yeah. Right. Uh, Guinevere Turner takes the stage and uh, she starts to talk about her band's former bass player, Alyssa. And uh, my note here is, okay, how do these men not know these are dykes? Because there's no men in the bar. Okay. <laughs> my, my note here is that I would fucking hate going to this bar if they're just going to like stop the music and like have this long monologue where you introduce someone. That's like an in joke it just, it with just, your friend. Yeah, the whole like, the whole bar stops, but uh it's a just a weird 90s sense of community with regard to like where you shop. Uh, like Central Perk or, you know, like like yeah. there's this like fantasy of just like um and, and I do think I, I you know, I do think there I remember going to coffee shops or bars, you know, maybe where there is like a sense of community uh, and there is like a like there, there's like familiarity with people and everything like that. The it's not always happy. It's not it's not cheers. It's not always like everyone's happy that, you know, you're or in a good mood because they're there. And that so I think there's that weird fantasy that like. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it's like you could go and everybody would be your friend. Hey, yeah, this old for, yeah, exactly. But I will say yeah. that 
that does kind of happen in queer spaces. Really? Yes. Ooh, so, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of buy it. Yeah. In this in this movie, like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, they all these girl these women would have like probably known about this band. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like you know, would they have come to see the band? Yeah. Or would they have just been there, like, I think just because it's Thursday night and it's like time to go to both? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think both, and probably like, there's, I mean, there's like a joke in queer women community is like, you know, we all have known each other because we've like either dated each other or like our exes dated yeah. somebody else's ex is like everybody's in, in, entangled. So it's actually like not uncommon to go somewhere and like know everyone. Like cool. every time I go out, I'm like dated her <laughs> went on talked to her on tinder you know mm -hmm. like it's that's it, definitely a thing it's the community is only but so big yeah um so i kind of buy that here so turner guinevere turner demands that Alyssa go on stage and sing and everyone cheers her on and banky says this is so fucking gay mm -hmm. but without really knowing how gay it is yeah and Alyssa dedicates the song she is singing to someone special out there and holden thinks it's for him and Alyssa begins to sing badly, but it's also very sexy. And oh, you think she sings badly? I mean, she's like not in key, you know. Like it's oh, not maybe. like it's not like a great. She doesn't have like a great voice or anything, but also does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's she. She's like a reverse Tom Waits. Or, yeah. <laughs> she's like, but also actually Tom like kind of works in the way that Tom Waits. It's works. It's a very and, kind of riot girl sensibility mm -hmm. because. But she's also like this is what was interesting, kind of like jumping into Joy Lernam. She's she's from Arkansas. There's like a southern twang. I guess she had written this song. Uh, and but she had originally written it as like a country song, so mm. it's so anyway. I wonder if we can pull up her singing here. All right, I should dedicate this, right? This is for that someone special out there. Ready? I'm feeling nothing, but I'm 